Survive and Thrive, a podcast series. Episode 1, entitled A Family Affair, focuses on the value of family support when living with addiction in the home. The voices are anonymous and recorded in the round, replicating this setting and atmosphere of a family support group. Hi and welcome to our very first podcast. I'd like to welcome our listeners and guests today. My name is Grace Hill and I'm the coordinator of Tala Drug and Alcohol Task Force. And our first podcast comes in partnership with White Church Addiction Support Project. This is something we've talked about for a long time, about highlighting different stories and different voices from the communities we serve. And today our first episode focuses on the impact of substance misuse on families. I've thought this was a very fitting one to start with because I think that a lot of times the focus in addiction can be on the individual and I think it's only fitting that we talk about the wider family and how the wider family is impacted by someone's addiction. My guests today are Brenda, Peter and Sue. I'd like to thank you all for being so willing to participate in this podcast. So I might start by getting people to introduce themselves briefly, just to give me and the listeners an insight into just where you're coming from and what support you've got here from My Church Addiction Support Project. Sue, you might start. Yeah, certainly, Grace. Um, thanks for having me along. Um, I suppose I would have accessed WASP about seven years ago, um, came into the building and obviously at that stage didn't know what to be doing, where I was going or anything like that. I was in total shock I'd say. So yeah, I'm with WASP about seven years now. I find it brilliant, yeah, really good, really good. And Peter, you're very welcome. Thank you, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, so I would have accessed the WASP services about four and a half years ago and we found them absolutely fantastic as the family had to deal with uh, a son who was taking drugs. At first it started at what people call a recreational stage but it became a deeper and deeper uh, issue for him and it's created mayhem in the family and we wouldn't have been able to navigate our lives at all without the support of WASP. And Brandy. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, two and a half years ago I joined CARP up in Talla and uh, it's done amazing things for me. It's, I didn't know where to go to because I couldn't talk to anybody. And when I went to the meeting, I realised that there was plenty of people in the same situation as me. Yeah. I have a son too who has drug issues. So it's really helped me a lot in the last two and a half years. Brilliant. Thank you. And I just want to note that today, the, story, the names of everyone involved is, have been changed for anonymity purposes. So I hope people feel comfortable to share. And, and thanks a million. I suppose in terms of reviewing your stories and advance it today, a couple of pieces you know, stood out for me that I, I thought we might start by exploring. And the first one, um, if we could, is around safety. Uh, that really stood out for me across the three stories. And I think we working in the community, we talk about community safety a lot and people not feeling safe enough in their community. But I think when safety, your safety is compromised within your four walls, I think that can be very challenging and it can really upset your everyday life. And I just wanted to give the opportunity, is, is, does anybody have anything to share around that? Or is, is there any examples people might want to give in terms of not feeling safe in your own home? Well, I didn't. Um, I'd be waiting for knocks on the door. I'd be looking out the window. I'd be, I'd be just on edge all the time. 
when he was out doing whatever he's doing, or even when he was at home, if he owed money or anybody knocking at the door. And plus, at the time, I had my daughter and two grandkids living with me. And I was afraid for them, for the two kids, because they were very young at the time. And it's just, yeah, it's a horrible feeling being scared in your own home, being on edge all the time, not being able to relax where home should be, relaxing place, but unfortunately, no. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that really resonated with me. <coughs> And um, I have to say, I want to let you all know that I also am somebody who had to live with the impact of substance misuse when I was growing up. And, um, and from reading your stories, a lot of that stuff resonated with me. There was one piece, I think, someone mentioned about sleeping with their, their purse. I do, yeah. And I find that really... I yeah, remember doing that. And the children had iPads at the time, and the iPads used to have to go upstairs too. Yeah. Just anything, like... Because yeah. you don't know what kind of... Like, he has gone through my poor speech previously, so that's why I do it, you know, it's just sad, but I it know. does happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, the fear can come from, from lots of ways. The, the fear can come from uh, the addict themselves, which can be when they're high on stuff or if they're mixing drugs, they can, they can become aggressive and have, in fact, caused actual body har bodily harm to people. Uh, they can become they can become threatening uh, and there's also the other fear that if they get in debt with drug dealers it's very likely that the drug dealers see the debt as the families and they can they can have intimidation there is also the wariness around the house that you have to lock down all valuables uh, medications uh, anything like that that could that could be a temptation so the the fear is can be 24 7 and uh, can be can be particularly scary for uh, for ladies when they're confronted by by young men. But that's not always the case. Everyone can get violent, and we there are examples, and I do know of examples where out of the blue, someone who's high on stuff has killed another family member, uh, and they can hardly even remember it. But it's, there's a there's a, a debt there already. Mm. Never mind the, the on edge, as you said, Brenda, you're on edge, you're, you don't know what's going to happen, who's going to knock at the door, what's going to happen, you know, is there going to be violence, uh, conscious of kids as well in the house, which is always worrying. But it's the stress, isn't it? It's the mental, the mental stress and the weight mm. of that. Yeah, um, not being able to sleep at night, just, it's just awful. Yeah, and then you're having to continue like with your job, you still have to normal maintain life. that normal life and you're just living on your nerves all the time, you don't know whether you're coming or going or yeah. what's happening. And then the fear every time they go outside the door, are they going to come home? Yeah. What's going to happen to them? Yeah. yeah. I remember someone saying to me once that, um, that, that you know, they had some best Christmases when their, their child was in prison. Because they yeah. knew where they were. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then protecting the other siblings. Mm -hmm. As well, so it's sad that like the res residential treatment or prison can actually serve to be a safety net for families, like a respite. So, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a respite. Yeah. yeah. I know in my own case, I had to seek a safety order, so that if there was okay. violence or the fear of violence, the uh, the addict, who was obviously a very sick person, mm. but a dangerous person nonetheless, or has the potential to be very dangerous, that they could be removed from the house. It's not not something one does lightly. No. And was this your son, Peter? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, nice. That's hard. And 
he wasn't dangerous all the time, but he, he, was, he had been dangerous on enough occasions to make it a real fear and threat that the family would have had on an ongoing basis, even if his behaviour was almost always okay in the sense of not being violent, but the, the periodic outbursts were spectacularly violent, involving weapons, actual bodily harm, and quite, uh, quite, quite, uh, quite nasty outcomes. And where did you get support for that? What, what, what organisations did you turn to? Well, the, the primary support I would have had is with uh, WASP, which is White Church Addiction Support Programme, and that's, that's been marvellous. They were able to guide us in terms of the practicalities of how to negotiate these things, mm. highlighting what the triggers might be, uh, what, um, what the various combinations of drugs may or may not do, and being aware of the support services that were, away, that were available beyond their borders with respect to the courts and uh, Garda Sheikhan. And I assume at the time was your son over 18? Yes. Yeah, okay. So even around that trauma or mental health services or anything like that, was there any supports there? Um, well, I suppose like the mental health services are, are a difficult area t- to negotiate and um, I suspect like, like many addicts, uh, the initial consumption of, of uh, illegal drugs may be covering up uh, a mental health issue, or it may not be. Yeah. Uh, but that's certainly, that's certainly been food for thought for, for me. But your first port of call for support, how did you hear about WASP? Well, that, that was lucky because like, it's a very lonely place to find out that your son has a drug problem which they generally don't recognise, or certainly he didn't. It's not something that people are very familiar with, and when you're going through it, particularly for the first time, you really are, and I'm speaking for myself, clueless as to what is happening, what is likely to happen, and uh, where you can go. So we, we were lucky that a, a pal was aware of uh, WASP, but other than that, we would have been absolutely banjaxed, and in fact, our son had drug problems, in my view, from, for a good number of years before we found WASP. And, and those periods were, were particularly difficult because we didn't really know what to do or where to turn to. And it's a learning on the job, but you don't have any experience and you don't have any guidance. And that's where services like WASP and CARP come into their own. And what about you, Brandy? Um, when, you, when you take yourself back to, you know, when, when you first needed support, yeah. how did you go about looking for that? I actually looked, there's a drug place up in Dominic's up in Tala and I rang them and they took my name and gave it to Eileen that works here in Wasp and she rang me back and then I went up to Carp and had a one-on-one with her and then joined the group of a Thursday evening, you know, and it really was a lifesaver for because I couldn't speak to anyone, I couldn't talk to any of my family, I couldn't tell my mother or my brothers, anyone about them. I just felt so alone and when I went into the meeting to hear other people's stories and it made me feel really relaxed and yeah. understand it more and to know that I wasn't on my own, yeah. you know. And it, to this day now I still look forward to a Thursday evening going up to Carp to the ladies and yeah. you know it's really really helped me a lot because it ended up that it got so bad that my daughter and Two grandkids had to move into homeless accommodation because of my son's addiction. 
So that was really heartbreaking. So it really, the support of CARP when that was happening was really, really good. And it really made me kind of understand things. And it was just hard at the time. You know, I I'd never ever forgive him, but you do. He's your child at the end of the day. So. Can I ask why did you why didn't you feel it was it was possible to share with your family or to lean on them for support? I just shame was it? Or? Um, I think as yeah, like my brother has uh, bought a son and he's three months old and he's doing so well and this and that and I just wouldn't give my mother to worry. And the other, yeah, it's just, yeah, I think it's, it's just painful, shame. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm saying that they probably do know and have an idea, but now my mother wouldn't, but I just, I felt I couldn't. Yeah. Now I have three elder daughters, he's the, my son's the youngest. They would help me a lot, you know, and try to help them the best they can, but you can only help somebody so much. And then as well, you have to look out for their needs too, don't you? Absolutely, because they have their own children and their own families. So. Yeah, brilliant. I'm delighted you got the support you needed here. Yeah, oh yeah. And it's his education in it too, isn't oh, there? Oh, absolutely. Like, because yeah. I like that, like what Peter said there, I hadn't a clue about drugs. I didn't know about addictions or anything like that. So it really opened my eyes. I really and did. I, I Educated me too about yeah. the different types and what to do, you know, so yeah. And links to other things, other courses and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Because it struck me what Peter said, you know, he was like, I didn't know where to go, you feel totally alone. Yeah. And because people would say to us as a task force, um, I don't know about your service, you know, I never heard of, you haven't needed it. Yeah. But usually when people become very resourceful when they're, when they're actually faced with it, it's at your door. Mm-hmm. And then once you, once you get into kind of the circle of it, you, yeah. you find then there's a few layers to it in terms yeah. of supports. How would you, Sue? Okay, so I'd have to go back. Um, I think to my son, he was about probably 14 when he started using weed. At the same time, he was kind of diagnosed with ADHD and Asperger's. So there was all of that. So I spent more time up and down to the school than he did, because he was never in it. He had a special teacher that followed him around to see where he was going. So it was actually to the school, and good connection in the school. The headmistress actually was amazing. And she had put me in touch with WASP the family support and wasp. So that's how oh, I right. ended up going yeah. here. Yeah, which is really good because otherwise you were kind of going around not knowing. And as Brenda was saying, you can't talk to your family. You kind of deal with your own mm-hmm. stuff on your own. Um, and there was a lot of stuff going on in the household with my husband and all the rest of it. So yeah, that's how I kind of came into us. And I would have worked in an area before, like I worked with Drugs Task Force. So I was quite aware like of what happens in communities and what was going on. And I thought like, get him into sports, get him into this, do this, do this, did all the right things. Yeah. You know, didn't make any difference. Absolutely no. I even moved house, okay. especially for him. When he was small, made absolutely no difference. Right. So he was gonna do what he was gonna do. Mm. And yeah, it's tough. It's very, very tough. It's very tough. Yeah. But I have to say now coming in, and just sitting down, and I used to just come in and collapse on the sofa. I wouldn't say a word, I'd just go, ah, <laughs> just lie down nearly. Um, and just hearing everybody's stories, I think you're not on your own. Yeah. Like, it's everywhere, it's happening, all over the place. Yeah. And it's just such a relief 
have the laugh and have the crack mm. and the cries and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And no judgment. No judgment whatsoever. No, no. Yeah. No, absolutely brilliant. Um, and if you don't want to say anything, you don't say anything. If you want to sleep, you sleep. Yeah, it was just, it was great to have it to go to. Um, just for your own sport. And, you know, you work through not only your children's issues or whatever, but it's all your own stuff as well that you're going through, you know, and that you can work all that out and you have that space to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned your husband there. Ex. Okay. <laughs> that says a lot. You know, as in where I was thinking of going, because I do think, you know, there's always good cop, bad cop, isn't there? And there's diverse views about how we should tackle this issue in relationships. And I suppose just wanted to touch on that and say, how did that work for you guys in terms of, um, were you both on the same plate? I was the fixer, I'm the doer. He was bury your head in the sand kind of things. Okay. Um, and then if there was money owed or you were going to meet these guys that you were paying money to, who were only kids like themselves. So here's this album going to meet them to pay money like, and I said, what are you doing, lads? But the ex-husband would have been more kind of bullish and, you know, the manly kind of macho stuff. Yeah. Um, which got you nowhere anyway. You know, it, was, it wasn't going to work. So yeah, it was a lot of burying heads in the sand and not dealing with it. He actually came to one family support meeting and that was it, okay. gone. And it caused, like, it caused so much ructions in your relationship. I'm not saying that was the only thing that I mean, but um, it just causes so much tension. So you're kind of at odds all the time with each other then, you know, and then there's all the financial stuff as well. So it's, it's very hard going, um, but I would say that he was burying his head in the sand and I had to do all the leg work and all the rest of it, yeah. And your son got the support he needed. He got the sport he needed. I have to say, fair play to the school. They kicked him out, they took him back, they kicked him out, they took him back. I sent him off to Utreach. He actually managed to get kicked out of Utreach. Don't ask me how he got kicked out of Utreach, but he managed it. Yeah. But that was kind of a wake-up call for him as well. He said, well, look, I shouldn't have been there in the first place. What am I doing there? And he actually went back. And he sat to leave, and to this day, I don't know what he got in his leave insert, because he doesn't even know what he got in his leave insert. But he went back and he did it. Um, but yeah, I have to say, the school was great support to him. Okay. Yeah, and then I had the support of Wasp, so I could, you know, have his back and support him through it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't agree necessarily that uh, the women are the fixers and the men put their heads in the sand. That's, that's not always the case. That's not your case. experience. I'd be more diplomatic. The speed at which the families learn is, is very, very different. Uh, and lots of family members try to do the right things and I try to do the right things myself but I found I enabled a little bit too long but the rest of the family were shocking in terms of the enabling and that is something that you have to be taught externally I believe because it goes against most most of your instincts but if it is if it is an addiction and you are enabling you were doing a great disservice to the person. Uh, and I remember someone in it said to me, and it resonated, and I think he was absolutely correct. He said to me that I had no business getting between my son and his rock bottom because his rock bottom was his only chance of living. So it creates enormous stress. It has created enormous stress between myself and my spouse, between myself and wider family members and stress because it is a family disease with, within the family 
and the negative implications it had on my other son. So it's only in the last number of, uh, of weeks that we have finally given our son the choices that he needed, which were that he couldn't drink or drug in the house, and if he did, he'd have to leave the house. Mm -hmm. So he's now left the house in the last week or two, and he is now homeless. And within that time, it's remarkable. We saw him yesterday for the first time after eight days to see how more copped on he is. That it appears to be doing him good. I'm not saying it's going to be a happy ending, but certainly if he remained in our family home, we believe he would have died anyway with, with the drink and the drugs and bringing all that risk to himself and to, to the family because of drug dealers. So now he has to paddle his own canoe and make choices. Does he want to put a roof over his head? Does he want to eat or does he want to take drugs? He alone can do it, but he's not alone because he has the support services to come back to if he wants to make the right choices. There are phone numbers within the support services, CARP or WASP, who will deal with him if he wants to make the right choices. And if he doesn't want to make the right choices, there's absolutely nothing we can do. And a hard decision, Peter? Yes and no. When you have the education and when you've seen the negative fallout from having someone being enabled for so long, you realise you are doing them such a disservice. And I've met so many ladies and guys who, when their sons and daughters end up in a very bad way, point the fingers at themselves and say, I really didn't help this person because I enabled them far too long. Yeah. And it's that enabling, I think, is, is dreadfully understandable. But in some ways, I would be quite self-critical that most of the people who are enabling, if they know they are, it's self-serving for themselves yeah. and doesn't do the alcoholic or the drug addict any use whatsoever. I think it goes back to the education value of family support, doesn't it? Because I, I remember even, God, in the late 90s when my own parents were availing of it, it that language, enabling, codependency, they're like, oh, I know what that is, when it's explained to them, but they didn't have the language. Mm -hmm. So it's even you're very aware of that, and um, but it does, a lot of times, on that decision, it can come over to mind over matter, can't it, in that your heart is saying you want to keep the person close, but it might be the best option actually let them go a little bit and hopefully um, they'll come back stronger would um well, what I what I try to latch on to for that one is what the alcoholic said to me but I'm firmly of the view that this is my son's best chance of recovery because if he continued as he was being enabled by family members he had everything he wanted yeah because he could get drink and drugs mm. Uh, and he didn't have to look at, after any of his other needs because they were being met for him by his family. So the expression of uh, we should only do for them what they can't do for themselves yeah. rings strong with me anyway. And it's his choice. Yeah. And it's, okay. he has to make the right decisions. He has all the support he needs through the likes of Wasp and Carp. But yeah. if he doesn't want to get well, there's no point in him dragging the entire family down with him. Okay, thanks for sharing that. Appreciate that. What about yourself, Brenda? Have you anything to share in terms of the relationship piece? Yeah, well, in the early days, I would have 
hid a lot from my partner. He would like ask me, yeah, because he would never kind of recognize him, but I just got to know. I knew as soon as I looked down. So I would hide a lot. I'd say, yeah, everything's crying, just for to keep the peace. And I probably still do a bit to this day, you know, um, but not half as much as what I used to. I try and just tell him now and just, like, it, it was only yesterday that my son came to me and told me that he was after ringing Dominic's, the response place. So he's on a waiting list to try and see somebody. Okay, good. So he's done it before, gone to talk and it didn't work out for him. So oh. I'm just, all I can just, I just keep hoping. He's out of work now, this is his second week out of work. He's deciding, he's decided last week that he'd stay out of work because he, he doesn't have too much money. He's a banks man and he would come home with 900,000 a week. 100 to me, and he, the whole lot is gone on cocaine, the rest. And it would go on one night, two nights. He'd stay on it until all the money was gone. So I'm just hoping he gets, and like you said, I had to ring the Garda on Friday, and I was advised to go and get a protection order against him. Okay. So I have that in my head now for to do this week, even though he's gone took the step and rang Dominic's, I still have to do that because I can't, I can't be living in fear anymore. No. In my own home, you know, and it's just not good enough. He's 23 years of age now, he's a grown man. Very hard to let go of them, yeah, isn't it? he's on a waiting list at the minute, so hopefully. Please God, yeah. Yeah. The less he has to spend, yeah, hopefully. the debt piece is huge, isn't it? And yeah. thankfully, WASP are very active in supporting families around drug-related intimidation. Yeah, yeah. Has that impacted any of you, the, the drug debt? Obviously, yourself, no, Brenda. Really, he's no. never really had a big drug debt. Um, kind of now, the last, probably the last six months, he's been, when he gets paid, he's gone. Like, Sunday, he'll probably stop, and that'd be it. Yeah. But then he won't have a penny for the week. And then enabling, I would enable. I would give money for lunch. I would give top up his leave card for work or whatever. So this, it, I, I know I have to stop that too. Mm-hmm. So it's, ju- it's just, it is, it's just a learning curve all the time to try, yeah. and, try and keep as strong as you can. Yeah. What, what, I, what I came to believe in the end for me, and it's only for me, is that if I was giving any money or any support I may as well have been buying the drinker drugs myself because if I bought the PlayStation game as an example, well, that was more money that would be misused. Mm. So paying for stuff, I've really stopped doing. Yeah. Particularly when they're working because he has, he was working and he did have money. And I made a point of getting as much money off as I could for housekeeping. Because if I did it, it was in my pocket and it wasn't in drug dealers' pockets. And what about other other areas of your life, enjoyment-wise? Um, because it can be all-consuming. And like, so did you get, for instance, financially, were you unable to go on holiday? Or did it stop you, you know, exploring other areas you might be interested in, whether it be socialisation or art or anything? Or did you find it all-consuming? Or, or did you, were you lucky enough to have something? And I mean outside of family support. 
outside of the drug issue or the alcohol issue that was actually like this is for me and you were able to keep it up whether it be a walking group or, or anything or did you find you, you really were disconnected with friends? I was disconnected I felt because I felt no I'd stay at home because I thought if I was there mm. he wouldn't use okay. but he used anyway whether I was there or not yeah. You know, I wouldn't go away for weekends. My mother lives in Wexford. I wouldn't go down. I'd stay because he wouldn't. I'd say that it's more of a chance that he will if I'm not there. But sure, it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. It was whether I was or wasn't. So now I don't. Okay. I go and do and go away or whatever I have to do because Good. whether I'm there or not, he's still going to do it. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I'd say that took you a while to realise Oh, that. yeah, yeah, a long, long time. Yeah. You know, the girl, my girls used to be saying to me, just go, just leave him to it. He's going to do it anyway. And I, but I did, and I learned, and I do it anyway. Yeah. So it's letting go, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is letting go, but there's some things that are very hard to let go. Very of. hard, very hard. Yeah. Sue, yeah. so what about you? Yeah, I was just thinking there. Um, I think I just got to a stage. Well, I'd been working all my life, still am. But um, <laughs> what do you call it? I decided I had kind of enough of the work that I was doing because it was, it was community work, it was not profit work, so it was kind of coming from work to the same situation yes, at home, and yeah. so it was just all a big one mess. So I changed and I went and did education, mm. um, and did kind of outdoor activity stuff, like kayaking and all, so um, right. did that for a while, had the best crack ever. Um, I was the oldest in the class, so. You know, it was like all these 18 year old young fellas, they were hilarious. But um, well, so I did that. So that kind of gave you an outlet, gave me that outlet yeah. of that motivation. Um, yeah, so that kind of kept me going, I think. And that was a changing point as well, like within everything, because, you know, I, I was off to place in university in England and down in Galway and all, but I didn't go. Um, but it kind of opened up my mind a lot. You know, just having that outlet and, and doing something for myself. Um, mm. And I think that just changed, changed my world, really, where I was able to just say, OK, that's it. I'm just doing me now. God. You know, yeah. you just couldn't do what you just want. Yeah. So uh, I ended up having to leave the house, and I did. And I just left the house, and that was it. Haven't okay. been back since. Oh, your family home? Yeah, the house okay. that I was in. Yeah, 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 family home, left that. Yeah. Um, I did actually have to go back for kind of exams and stuff with the young fella, but yeah, and that was okay. That was a lot to yeah. do, but that, that's what I had to do. Yeah. You know. And how big of a factor do you think your family support and education played in that? Huge, because mm. I used to do um, the counselling with the counsellor here, and it was through that process that I was able to come to all these conclusions and you know, make those decisions for myself. And yeah. I'd say that was all through kind of the counselling with WASP yeah. and with the family support and listening to the stories um, and just hearing what other people have done. And, you know, um, yeah, so that, that was a huge, like there was things I did that I would never even have considered even mm. thinking about doing. Yeah. But without that process, I wouldn't have done them. Yeah. So it was literally life changing. It was life changing. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, yeah. It's great that you're able to find that happiness and brilliant. Yeah. What about yourself, Peter? 
Well, I think the support services were really helpful in uh, showing me that I had to look after myself and that if I didn't look after myself, there wouldn't be left for anything left for anyone else. So you're, exactly. you're less useful to your family and indeed the addict if you keep putting them first. So um, that's something I need to do a little bit more work on. But yeah. initially it sounds selfish, you know, when you have an addict and the family are under enormous strain. But it is a requirement really to help the wider family that you give enough attention to your own needs, whatever they be, whether it's education or exercise or meditation or whatever floats your boat. Mm -hmm. But I think that does get lost in, in, in the crushing uh, obsession that families have about the addict and that, that, really, that really needs to be addressed and support services are very good at highlighting that and indeed supporting it in many ways. Yeah, because respite is key, isn't it? I know it's a bit of a cliche, but only recently in the summer, we, as part of recovery month, we gave an opportunity for family members to come together, and um, there was great value in it. I don't know if any of you were at that that day we did in September. Open the mouth. Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. What did you get very, out of that, very Brenda? Enjoyable, yeah. Yeah. Gin didn't have massage and all, yeah. It was a bit of a pampering piece, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was I think more of that would be useful. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I really, really enjoyed that day. Now just. You just talk about yourself and just relax. Nobody else was in my head that day mm. for a few hours. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well deserved. There's a family support group for men here. Tell us more about that. There's lots of there's lots of there's lots of family support groups and sometimes I pick up from some of the chaps that they're intimidated because there are a lot of ladies at it. But uh, in the last couple of months in Whitechurch They've set up a family support group just for just for the chaps. That's Have you made, made the big switch? The big switch. <laughs> I, I was booted out of the, the ladies <laughs> once. <laughs> I bet that's not true. I, I kept wearing the same makeup as they did, and they were, they were cheesed <laughs> off of me. Yeah. And how's that going? What's so the family support group for for guys? It's reasonably embryonic, but it's uh, it seems to be. I think it's very useful, um, and certainly the guys who were who are coming to it on a, on a weekly basis. Some of them find it a lot easier to, to go to that because, as you, as you mentioned earlier, there is a predominant uh, misrepresentation by women in the other family support groups. <laughs> okay, I think what you mean, men have been harder to engage. <laughs> you, you could look at it that. Wanted you just uh, touch on the, on, on the guards, if you've had anything to share around, any positive or or, or negative dealings with um, on Garda Shikana, I suppose just because um, it comes up a lot, you know? Yeah, well, Friday, I found, I found them really, really good. And uh, like I apologised because he was actually gone by the time the guards came because he knew I was after ringing them. Yeah. And I was just apologising like for wasting their time, basically. But that's what he like convinced me. He said, no, no, he said, you would not believe how many of these calls in the last few years. It's absolutely horrific what people have to go through in their own homes, yeah. all because of drugs and alcohol abuse, you know? And he actually urged me to go in and get the protection order because he said if I wanted him removed without one of them because he lives there, they can't force him. So if I have one of them, I can get him taken out. 
because I don't want them using drugs in my home anymore. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not good enough. No. You know, no. so, yeah, I found them very good anyway and positive. So I still have it in my head to go in. I just need to pluck up that extra bit of courage to, yeah. to yeah. do it. Like, and that's what, like she said to me as well, that she'd give me a ring next week just to see how everything was. So, And previous experience, they have rang the week after to see how things were going. So, yeah. Brilliant. Garda Shia Khan are really good now. Yeah, when it comes to that. It's great to hear. Yeah. I've had to rely on them on two or three occasions. I found them absolutely fantastic. Nice. Um, and on some occasions, they were very kind and very sensible in how they used their discretion uh, and then in some other cases they were they were they were quite direct to remove people who shouldn't have been in the houses uh, so I've, i found them really really good is there anything you could tell me what we should be doing more of whether it be education prevention awareness law enforcement or anything you think we should be advocating for for family members well, for family members, probably more days out, like the yeah. way we had in the Maldra. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, to kind of focus off. on them instead. Yeah. To switch off for a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just because it's affected me, me the most, but the, uh, the education of family members around enabling, because it constantly comes up in all the family groups that when people eventually, when the penny drops, they realise that enabling has been counterproductive for themselves, their families, and indeed the addict, and how dangerous it is when the addictions get very deeply entrenched for in terms of drug intimidation. So, and it's very difficult. To, of course, you have to be sensitive if someone can just about cope with the fact that they're discovering that their their family members have addiction issues, they can barely put one foot in front of the other and then to ask them to stop enabling is is a huge task. But mm. for me that's a that's a, a huge focus because i I feel that my son's addiction is much worse now than it would have been had he not been enabled and he was in them he was enabled by all family members, myself included. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you be here there, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Enabling is a scourge. Mm. Human nature, though, isn't it? Hence the need yeah. for the task force and yeah. education. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I find I'm struggling to come out of enabling them. Yeah. Yeah. Is I say this and say that, and then I just, I do, I give in. Okay. And I know I shouldn't be. And I've learned kind of a lot now listening to Peter on that. I think for the sake of him, as Peter said, I really need to stop, you know? Not for you, Brenda, or not for anyone else, but for me, I just felt I was, when I was enabling, I knew I shouldn't have been enabling a long time back, and I did stop, but all the family members doing it, and I felt like a dreadful parent. Mm. And that tension of watching other family members enable, I found that r really difficult, and I resented it, because when well, they thought they would be helpful to my son, they might as well have gone down to the corner and bought them, smacked themselves. So thanks for that advice. I don't know, Sue, if you wanted to add anything to... Well, the only thing that's coming into my head is like with GPs and stuff, um, mm. you know, maybe they could be a bit more proactive in their approaches with people, referring them to places like WASP and CARP and that. Mm. Yeah. 
I don't know if they do that or they don't do it. But it should be easier to go in and talk to a GP about these things, you know, and not yeah. just have your 10 minutes of a sore throat, you know. So. Yes. I suppose I just wanted to finish by asking you, you know, if anyone's listening today and it really, you know, in, in, in turmoil that we've talked about and going through, the, I suppose, the intensity of um, having some, a loved one misusing, misusing drugs or alcohol, what would you say to them to encourage them to engage with a family support service? Definitely do. Make the call. Make the visit. Do anything. But make that call or the visit because it really will change the way you feel. You know, and they're just so good. There's just so many services that they can provide you for. Definitely make that call. Yeah, I'd say um, make the call, as Brenda said, and even if you just go and sleep for the first couple of sessions, you'll be grand. Um, <laughs> and it will actually change your life. You know, yeah. it takes time, seven years, 10 years, whatever, it takes time, but it happens. And just that gives you that little bit of hope that you'll come out the other side and things will be fine. Or they'll be as they are, mm. but you'll be okay. There, uh, the family support is, in my view, it's utterly essential because you're traveling a road that you're probably very unfamiliar with, that, that's very, very dangerous. Uh, the family member is likely to be very, very stressed themselves. The wider family is likely to be very stressed. It's volatile, it's unpredictable. Uh, and the family support services have a lot of knowledge around this and it will, it will benefit the families enormously. And if you follow the advice, it does give the addict a much better chance of seeing what the problems are and ha they will have a better chance of recovery in my view. So pick up the phone, uh, go to a meeting. It takes time, keep coming back as they say. Yeah, thank you. So much more invaluable hearing it from you who've actually been through it. I'd like to advise anyone listening to uh, avail of supports. All contact details of our community addiction services are on our website, taladatf.ie. That's drug and stands for Drug and Alcohol Task Force. And all our contact details and those of our projects are all online. And there's links there to drugs.ie as well if people need other supports or information on any substances. Thanks so much for being our guest today, but very especially part of our very first podcast. I'm just wishing you all the best going forward. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Grace. Yeah, thanks, thanks thank Brenda. You. Thanks, Luke. Thank you.